Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to episode five of series eight of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Today marks the first birthday of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. When Ian Bailey, I and the team first developed the concept for the show, we had no idea if it would work. But thanks to you, our listeners, and also our sponsors and the raft of brilliant guests we've had on the podcast, we've not only made it to our first birthday, but we also recently passed the landmark of 100,000 listens, which exceeded all our expectations when episode one with Sharon Doherty was launched 12 months ago. So a huge thank you to all for listening. To celebrate, we thought we'd do something different. So Ian managed to persuade me to record a special role reversal episode of the podcast with me in the hot seat and Ian firing the questions that some of you, including one of our previous guests, Dave Orich, have kindly taken the time to send in. In our conversation, Ian and I discuss five steps to getting started in people analytics and why analytics is a team sport. We look at where people analytics belongs in an organization and how the field has been impacted by COVID-19. We also look at the most important skills required by HR professionals in a digital context and look at the factors that provide me with optimism and pessimism about the future role of HR in delivering value, both to the organization and to the employee. And finally, we also look at why a human-centered approach encompassing analytics, employee experience, and digital technology promises a bright future for HR. This episode should be an interesting lesson for anyone in a workforce or people analytics role, HR and business professionals interested in how people data can drive business outcomes, and CHROs looking to build or scale their people analysis capabilities. Also, to celebrate one year of the podcast, we thought we'd tell you a little bit more about our company, Insight 222. We set up Insight 222 to help our clients put people analytics at the center of business. Insight 222 is a global professional services firm providing leading edge consulting, learning, networking, and advisory services that enable organizations to deliver business value through people analytics and data-driven HR. Interacting directly with Chief Human Resources Officers and their key staff in people analytics, strategy, planning, and digital HR, our clients and partners include 70 of the world's leading organizations. If you want to find out more, please visit insight222.com or get in touch directly with me. Welcome to this week's special edition of the Digital HR Leaders podcast, where I am not David Green. Uh, I am Ian Bailey, but I am delighted to welcome David Green as the special guest on this week's podcast. Hello, David. Hello, Ian. Um, It's a bit of a role reversal this week. It is. It is. I can tell you're not feeling very happy about it, are you? I will see. Ask me at the end. (laughs) All right. Very good. Well, I know you're going to be amazing. So, We are both recording this from our homes uh, in the UK. Obviously, we can't get into the studio at the moment. So we're doing this virtually as we've been doing a number of shows uh, virtually recently. So first of all, what I want to say, David, is is a huge congratulations to you. We've just gone past 100,000 listens uh, for the podcast, which is a massive milestone. Uh, This episode is going to be the 40th episode of the podcast as well. Uh, so I think it would be great for listeners just to learn a bit more about you for once rather than the guests, uh, how you got started in people analytics and what your current role is at Insight 222. Well, firstly, Ian, I think a big reason for the show's success is down to you, both as producer 
and co-creator and obviously what you've built with Manpreet with the MyHR Future platform is fantastic. So congrats to you too. Uh, yeah. So I'm getting you on my side, you see here. Um, so so as for me, I'm going to show my age by sharing. I, I started my career in HR all the way back in 1997. Um, spent quite a lot of time in the talent acquisition space in a variety of recruiting, sales and consulting roles. And I've been in the people analytics field for around seven years. Um, but funnily enough, it wasn't really because of HR that I got started in people analytics. There was two other two other sort of routes coalesced together. Um, first, I spent seven years living and working in the south of France, as you probably heard me mention a few times. Uh, worked for a company out there called Amadeus, uh, which is a specialist tech company in the travel industry. You know, we started using data and analytics to create insights and develop products for our customers. Um, and I thought, well, why didn't we do that in HR when I was working working in that in that function? And it kind of sparked an interest, which I kind of kept in my head uh, for when we moved back to the UK back in uh, 2011, I think it was. And in parallel, at the same time, you'll know, Ian, because I bore you about it all the time. I'm pretty passionate about cricket. Um, and also, whilst I was in France, I developed a, a moderate, moderately less successful cricket blog, which I kept going for a, for a couple of years. And it kind of taught me the rudimentaries of, of social media. Um, so when I came back to the UK, I, I did my research. I went back into the HR space, uh, working mainly in, in recruitment process, outsourcing companies for the first few years. You know, and I uncovered articles like competing on talent analytics. Last week's guest, Jeremy Shapiro, co-authored that one. So it's definitely worth mentioning that. And started finding out that there were some companies kind of doing people analytics. Not many at that stage, but there were some doing it. And started writing about people analytics and sharing what I had learned. Uh, and eventually this led to, to speaking opportunities and some consultancy work and eventually a job at IBM. Um, and really that time at IBM, um, you know, was was where I really saw that I was actually effectively taking my hobby and, and being paid for it, which is quite nice. Met lots of like-minded people um, both at IBM and, and through my work with IBM and, you know, you, Jonathan, and others, and we created Insight 222, where I'm one of the managing partners and with overall responsibility for the People Analytics Program, where we're working with 70 global organizations, um, doing a bit of strategy and transformation consulting, obviously the MyHR Future Academy, and just helping those leaders really themselves uh, and their teams as well to, to create more value out of people analytics. And of course, I usually host this podcast, and I must admit, I definitely prefer being on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> well, thank you. I think everyone will, will have loved kind of hearing that journey. And the the cricket blog can I can I check that out somewhere? Is that you know is that still online and updated on a regular basis? Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. I, I think it might be online, or I think I stopped paying for the uh, the annual subscription. So it was called the Reverse Sweep. Uh, which I know you're not a big cricket aficionado, but is a is a if one of the shots that you can you can play. So uh, so yeah, I kept that going. I think I kept it going to about 2012. I think so. Uh, yeah, it was lots of stuff about Don Bradman and body line and stuff like that. Stuff that I'm sure you'd find riveting. Excellent. I can hear everyone googling for it right now. All right. Well, let's let's get it back on topic. So. Um, I do what we what we did in preparation for this episode is we did a few posts um, via LinkedIn and other channels to ask people for their questions for you. And we've had a great number of questions come in. Some of them are quite tough. I'm just going to warn you now. So I'm going to start you off with an easy one, which is a question I know you get uh, a lot of the time. 
But for people that want to get started in people analytics, you know, why should they, how can they get started? Well, we firstly, we could probably speak all day about this and I might try and do that to, to not get the difficult questions. Uh, but also I'd like to thank people for actually making the effort to, to actually submit questions in. I was quite surprised when, when we put the post out on LinkedIn and actually got quite a few responses as well. And I'm sure you're going to give me some of the tricky ones as well. Um, firstly, you know, the, you know, I think, Ian, you've been in the space as well for a while. You know, interest in people analytics has grown quite steadily over the years, but it almost seems in the last 18 months or so that growth has become a bit more exponential. Um, we, For those of us that have been in the space a long time, when you see LinkedIn include people analytics as one of its four global talent trends for 2020, you kind of know that the discipline has, has finally arrived, which is which is great. So in terms of getting started, I think we I think I actually wrote an article on this very subject earlier this year um, on the MyHR Future blog. And we offered oh, I offered five steps uh, to getting started. So I think the first one, whatever, wherever you are with people analytics, if you're just someone that's interested in yourself, it's all about really solving business problems. So learn your business, focus on your business and try and um, speak to people, speak to people in the business, inside HR, also outside HR. Uh, find out what the big challenges are, try and relate those to maybe some people problems, and then start to frame the right business questions that you could potentially answer using analytics, you know, and develop some hypotheses as to why you think things might be happening. So I think that's that's certainly one. Two, you know, look outside the organization as well, read, learn, network and grow. There's lots of great articles out there. I try and collect the best of these together on a kind of monthly basis. So hopefully that helps that helps people. There's some great books out there. Obviously, I'll, I'll mention The Power of People as, uh, as our collaborator, Jonathan Farrar, was a co-author of that. And I think what you'll find in the people analytics community, it's naturally collaborative and it's a very open community as well. You know, Jared Waldron, who's a, a people analytics leader, just passed a, just put a great post on LinkedIn about questions that he gets asked that he's giving, giving back to, to people that are interested in getting into this space. In the normal world, before COVID, there was a lot of conferences. There's now a lot of virtual conferences that you can find out more about people analytics and hear from practitioners. And there's lots of meetup groups, probably virtual meetup groups as well. So I'd suggest getting involved in those. Um, then, I guess, back inside the business, get the right stakeholders in your business involved. CHRO and the HR leadership team, really important. They get you access to the right stakeholders, maybe the right business problems that you could potentially solve using analytics, get you access to budget and resources. Uh, but also, as I said, look beyond, beyond HR to leaders in the business as well, because they will give you really the problems that you can then go away and look at. You know, don't be afraid to focus on a quick win. It's all about building momentum and creating excitement about analytics, um, you know, and using that momentum to grow. You know, and then also remember that analytics is, is a team sport. Um, you know, there are there will be other analytics teams in the business. HR is traditionally the, the the last to move of the major functions. So, you know, there will be people in finance, IT, legal, uh, marketing who can help you and support you. You know, and I think particularly um, if we think about people analytics, you know, it's about people. We think customer analytics, it's, it's about people. So there's a lot to learn from marketing and some of the techniques that have been deployed there over the last 10 or 15 years as well. So. They're just some of the tips, I would say. Excellent. That's great. And and why should people get into this space? I mean, we, we're very passionate about it. It is a growing space. But why do you think this is an area that someone who maybe has a background in HR or, or doesn't even have a background in HR should get involved in? Well, I think if you've got a background in HR, I mean, a lot of us get into HR because we care about people. 
um, you know, analytics is a great way of, of finding out what is it about pe- that, that can help people. So, you know, a lot of the work in people analytics is around in understanding and imp- designing and improving the employee experience and wellness. You know, we're seeing a lot of that during the COVID-19 situation at the moment. A lot of the people analytics teams we work with, you know, a lot of the work that they're doing now is around understanding employee wellness and, and, and helping their organizations make decisions that actually enforce and support employee wellness. So I think if you care about people, it's good. Um, if you're more technically minded, maybe you've done analytics in another part of the business. Well, HR is a great place to come into because it's almost like a it's it's like a green greenfield space in in many respects in some organisations. So there's an opportunity to to really create an impact, but also do something really interesting. Because what could be more interesting about helping your fellow employees, you know, enjoy work better, be more productive, um, you know, get on and, and support their careers. You know, and also you can have a huge impact on the business. You know, people are is the biggest cost in most organizations. So if you can improve, if you can identify insights that even helps improve productivity by one percent, you're having a, a huge impact on the, on the success of the business. So um, they're just some of the reasons. Absolutely. No, those are great. Excellent. Thank you. So one of the other questions that came in was around where does people analytics belong like where does it belong today you know where where should it or will it belong in the future but I'm actually going to add on another question that I had here that are coming around COVID-19 as well and the impact that that is having on the space you know particularly the way it's impacting HR and obviously impacting people analytics as well we're seeing a massive shift actually in the importance of people analytics as a result of the crisis so if you can if you kind of wrap those together kind of how do you see everything that's going on I guess impacting people analytics and and what do you think that's going to mean in terms of where it belongs in the future well i think as you said people analytics was already important in the organizations that have invested in that and started to have success with people analytics they know that the importance of people analytics and covid19 has just reinforced that in those organizations you know and i'm obviously biased but in terms of where it sits you know i think people analytics sits right at the heart of hr and people strategy um, it's not shouldn't be stuck away in some obscure part of HR in some center of excellence, you know, reporting into learning or something ridiculous like that. You know, for me, it should be at the right hand of the CHRO, um, almost the eyes and ears of the CHRO, really. You know, and we're seeing certainly in Insight Two Two Two, we're seeing most of the heads of people analytics that we report that that that, that are part of our group either reporting directly to the CHRO or, or may, mainly at the moment still CHRO minus one, and I expect that trend is something that that will continue um interesting where it will sit um there has been debate in the past about whether it should be an hr whether it shouldn't be an hr um i think it overwhelmingly is mostly in hr i think there is an opportunity to connect people analytics to enterprise analytics teams as well um and you might be certain resources i don't know if you've got specialists around text analytics or data science and you've got maybe got a small team do you need someone full-time in your team or could you could you borrow resource from other parts of the business that might be a good way of getting started um it's interesting actually because one of our recent guests is thomas rasmussen who who runs people analytics and a number of other uh, functions at, at national australia bank and he's been in the space for a while he did a great paper with dave orich which came out in 2015 i think and they actually advocated at the time that hr analytics should be taken out of hr uh, and and situated somewhere else and i think the argument the main underlying premise of that argument was Otherwise, it won't have impact. It doesn't work on it on the on the right problems. But Thomas has actually changed his mind, um, you know. And, and what they've done at National Australia Bank is they've combined people analytics with it 
employee experience and then and digital to almost create a powerhouse of, of analytics you know the analytics tells you what's happening the ex helps you shape it and, and actually serve it up in digestible um deliverables for, for people to actually use and then the, the technology helps you to scale it and i think it makes more sense to keep it in people analytics I think there are a number of reasons, but I think the main one is ultimately it's about people. And in HR, you've got people who understand psychology that actually can take some of these findings that, that data scientists might might have, but actually apply them to people and, and make them practical. So I think that's important. And then the second part of your question was around COVID-19. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. It, it has made people analytics more important. I think it's really elevated some of the people analytics teams that we work with. Their work is now going on a more regular basis to to, to the most senior people in the organization, CEO, to the CEO. Um, and pretty much every people analytics leader we work with, and certainly those that have already kind of developed that strong stakeholder equity within their organizations, they tell me they've never been so busy. Um and CHROs and their partners in the, in the C-suite, they, they really know now that, that the, the capability that people analytics can provide and how it helps them run the country successfully during the crisis, but also beyond the crisis, because let's be honest, we're, we're in a very different world now, whenever we get out of this crisis, that is. So, so yeah, I, I think it's elevated the function. I think it for some of the early people analytics teams, I think the global financial crisis did that back in 2008, 2009. And I think for the people analytics teams that have been set up in the last four or five years, I think the crisis will do the same for them as well. So, um, you know, it's it's a silver lining, I guess, you know, but it's, you know, it's a global pandemic at the end of the day. It's a shame it's taken this to, to really help elevate people analytics in some organisations. But, you know, I think those organisations that have invested are glad that they have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess to kind of build on that, as you said, we've seen some organizations tapping into central data analytics teams and and being able to leverage the expertise there as you've also said we've even seen some teams become part of those those central groups is there a a risk that hr will almost become a victim of its own success right there is one belief and clearly i don't think you believe in this so we'd love your perspective but that HR won't even be needed in the future because we're automating everything. We're empowering managers. You know, there's a lot of self-service. So why would we need HR? And I guess there's a similar train of thought on that, which is why do we need a special people analytics team? Really, it's just analytics and it, and it should sit in a central group. So what are your thoughts on that around whether HR is going to end up becoming a victim of its own success and, and we just won't need it in the future? Well, still with the people analytics um, thing for aspect first, I think, you know, what I didn't say, I should have said last time was actually, I think that there's a whole thing around ethics. Um, you know, ultimately, this is analytics on your workforce. And I think there is extra sensitivity about that, even more than there is sensitivity, I think, around customers. Um, you know, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. And I think the natural home for people analytics is in HR. Um, around that because HR typically in the organization is almost a custodian of the of the workforce so I think that makes it more likely that you're not going to do stuff that you, sh you shouldn't not only you shouldn't be doing but stuff that just isn't ethically right to do so that's that's why I feel that people analytics should sit within HR as I you know but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be closely connected to the data community and the analytics community throughout the rest of the organization 
A, because as, as we've talked about, if you're going to be working on business problems, it's likely that you're going to be using data from other parts of the organisation. And that can extend to resources. That can even extend to working with some of the customer analytics team, with some of the people analytics team on a, on a project to try and get some insights and maybe help employees and help customers. Um, on the HR thing, it's quite interesting because I, I, I probably like you, I remember the story in HVR a few years ago about blowing up HR, um, which created quite a furore at the time. So it's nice now that we're talking about HR going away because it's so good rather than it's so bad. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's always going to be a there's going to be a home for HR. I think clearly HR teams are evolving, um, as most functions are with with the fourth industrial revolution. Um, but I think that, you know, if you if you pair analytics with employee experience and, and some of the technologies that we're seeing and maybe this kind of approach of actually doing things with and for employees rather than to them. So moving away from this one size fits all HR program of the past to be something that's more personal, more personalized. I think there's good HR becomes even more important. Um, you know, with some of the stuff that, you know, we, we talked about some of the guests and some of the stuff that's clearly happening around i don't know personalizing learning journeys um you know we're talking now about learning being almost you know part of your pension is almost your pension is your, your ability to learn um so you know that that typically is has always sat within hr and i think it probably makes more sense for it to do so and ultimately it's the workforce that make or break a company's strategy and as long as hr evolves embraces digital as we've talked about becomes more analytical puts human-centered design at the heart of what it does, uh, and, and as I said, excuse this, this one-size-fits-all approach, then I think it, HR will be absolutely fine. We might, technology, as I'm sure we'll talk about later, might take away some of the more rudimentary routine tasks, but if anything, that helps make HR more strategic. Um, you know, and we haven't even talked about strategic workforce planning yet. So you know, you, if you think about how more complex that is getting to do as well, you know, by tying that together with people analytics, I think you, you, yeah, I think there's there's plenty of room for HR to grow yet. Still a lot of runway, isn't there? So let's let's stick to that theme of uh, of HR being successful, right? Um, you obviously speak to a lot of people analytics leaders. Uh, obviously, you attend and speak at a lot of conferences, read a lot of articles, share those articles. Thank you uh, on behalf of everyone for doing that. I know everyone finds that enormously valuable and helpful. So based on all of these experiences and conversations that you have, what would you say are the most important factors for people analytics leaders? Like, how do you build a successful people analytics function? I guess it's probably draw on some of the things we talked about earlier, actually, about getting started. I mean, it, it, ultimately, it's about solving business challenges. You know, um, I think it's Piyush Mather, who we had him on the show, said that, you know, insight without um action or insight without outcomes is is overhead you know and i think it's all about you know work on the right work on the right business challenges you know yes identifying the insights important but actually getting those insights actioned is 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 the most important thing that you can do um and how what's the secret of doing that well i guess good prioritization work on the right things but i think a lot of it boils down to having good strong stakeholder relationships in the business you know nurture those relationships really understand where the business is moving and how you can help um you know and i think nurture those as i said nurture those over time and and, and go across functions as well i think if you're a people analytics leader as well you have to ask yourself does my chro care about people analytics do they really believe in it you know and if not 
and you don't think that you can change be able to change their minds on that then maybe you want to look to move on to an organization that does so i think i think that chro relationship uh, head of people analytics relationship is very important as well i think again a lot of the good really good people analytics leaders that i see they 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 have learned tactics from marketing um they've created a brand sometimes even a logo for the people analytics team certainly a, a vision and mission and they're really good at communicating the work that the team does across the organization because if you think about it you know a lot of times you're effectively creating a startup within an established function within an established organization and that that's requires slightly different thinking to running a talent acquisition team or running a learning team or or, or anything else but but yeah i think that the whole branding thing and learning from marketing there is really important um working in partnership with hr business partners and your learning team perhaps to develop to help develop the data-driven culture but i think a lot of the again some of the better people analytics leaders i see they understand that it's not just about getting hr business partners to be more data driven it's about also them and their team understanding some of the challenges that hr business partners are facing every day so i think there's a there's definitely a partnership around there um developing strong governance around people analytics i think very important um that helps you with the prioritization that we were talking about creating an ethics charter um you know and doing that not just with hr and legal but maybe actually doing it with employees as well or employee representatives i think the ethics charter really important and again the more successful organizations uh, that we see out there like microsoft or the organizations that we work with like lloyd's banking group they, they have these ethics charters in place and and it almost provides a bedrock from uh, from what they can do their uh, people analytics work on as well um you've got your team so you've got to grow the team um the, the space is is growing all the time it's not just about having lots of great data scientists in. You, you need to understand, you know, we, we it's effectively, you know, there's a consulting front end potentially, and then there's maybe a user design element in there as well now because kind of analytics has moved from just doing projects to creating products. Now, if you're going to, and you'll know this, Ian, obviously with your background, but if you're going to create a product, you need people to use it. So you need to think about the user. Um, so there's, there's lots of challenges around building a team and, and getting the right mix of people into that team. And where you're running a small team, perhaps, you know, where are skills that I can borrow from other parts of the organization, perhaps, um, you know, some thinking around that. And then I think also the, the space is moving so quickly. So I think having those strong relationships with the external community as well, both peers, but also vendors. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, in, innovation going on in the HR tech space. Uh, I think it's important to know about know the vendors and the analysts around that, some of the leading consultants. You know, it's a fast moving space, it's easy to fall behind. Um, you'd expect me to say this, but, you know, joining a program like the one we created at Insight 222 with a safe environment and an opportunity to co-create with your peers, I think does add a lot of value, um, you know, and, and it helps you support your own learning and that of your team as well. So, you know, but hey, head of people analytics, it's an exciting role. Um, you know, it's a fast moving role and, you know, we know and work with some some highly highly capable people in that area so you know i think you'll see some of the future chros coming from this role in the in the future yeah it's a massive shift isn't it and and the complexity that you've just described there is actually huge right around some of that kind of stakeholder management but also some of the you know obviously the core technical skills that are needed as well 
what does that mean for HR? Right, we've talked a lot about skills. Obviously, you know it's a you know an area close to my heart as well. But what do you see in the broader HR organization is shifting in response to what's happening in the people analytics space? I think you know we've talked about this before. We don't necessarily expect all of HR to become a data scientist. That's that's not what we're saying. But what are you seeing changing in the successful HR organizations where you're seeing a a culture of analytics really kind of blossoming. Yeah, and, and again, I think that it's all, it's, as I said earlier, there's that partnership really between the people analytics team, HR business partners in particular, um, but a CHRO that, that really is espousing the benefit of a more data-driven and digital approach. Um, you know, and I think that it's exciting as an HR professional. I think it's also possibly daunting as well. And as you said, you know, I, I don't think it's helped that there's, been a lot of commentary out there it's almost suggests that suddenly you know HR professionals need to become data scientists that's definitely definitely not the case um, you know understand your business which hopefully HR business partners in particular do you know the clues in the, the name I guess um, you know and be able to 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 ask the right questions and work closely with the analytics team maybe certainly in the initial part to actually frame those into questions that can be tested with analytics and some hypotheses I think that's important you know, I think what we, I guess, what most organisations are looking is for people to be comfortable, a bit more comfortable with data. So understand even basic statistics. We're not asking people to suddenly program in R or, or anything else. I mean, I certainly couldn't do that. I imagine you probably could, Ian. But, um, uh, but yeah, and it's interesting that I think it's not just about analytics, though, is it? I mean, we ran that research last year at My HR Future, which for those of you that haven't seen it. You know, we asked an open text question that said, if there was one skill that you could learn in 2019, what would it be? And people analytics came out first, which was interesting and kind of busted that myth that we hear sometimes that HR professionals don't want to learn about people analytics. That seemed to say that to the contrary. And then you look at the other skills in there. I think it provides a clue of the way HR is going, strategic workforce planning, so design thinking, so again, that kind of concept of doing things with and for employees rather than to them, the whole digital technology space, which I know you're so passionate about, Ian. But then I think also that the the, um, the softer skills, consulting and influencing and stakeholder management, which are two of the most important skills in a people analytics team, but also for the wider HR to, to work with an analytics team to make sure that they're working on the right problems. They're identifying insights that can be actioned and then actually measuring the impact of those actions as well. So it's a really quite interesting, really. I think I'd add one skill to those six or maybe two skills to those six. I think business acumen, um, I think, is important for every professional that works in an organization. doesn't matter what function you sit in. But I think in HR, it's increasingly becoming important. Um, and I think there are ways that you can learn the business and I guess the more time you spend in the business and talking to people who are working in different in the different functions is, is a good way of doing that. So I think the more that we understand the business, the more that we'll focus the work of HR on on helping the business deliver its priorities and its strategy and actually providing the, the right culture and environment for our employees to thrive as well. So you said you said there were two more. What's the other one? Well, the other one's probably curiosity. Um, so I think particularly if we think about the whole COVID-19 situation, we're likely to be going back into very different workplaces when we do go back. I'm sure some things will revert to normal, 
but almost the genie's out of the bottle now. You know, some organisations didn't let anyone work remotely until two months ago. Now they're actually requiring it of people. So it is going to change things. You know, no one, no one can really predict what's going to happen. And anyone that does, you know, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt, I think. But and I think that curiosity of thinking, how can we redesign things so that they're better? So they're better for our customers, they're better for our employees, that they're, you know, they, they give deliver better outcomes to the business. You know, that's, that curiosity almost is the start of identifying some of the stuff that you could do with analytics. So, um, so I think that's a, you know, that, that kind of inquisitive, curious mind of, of, of doing that, which I think comes with some of the skills that, that we've kind of talked about anyway. But sometimes it's worth calling out, I think, as, as separately. No, I like that. That's great. All right. So changing tack a little bit. I told you I was going to warm you up to the tougher questions, right? So um, one of the uh, one of the people that that actually commented on your LinkedIn post was none other than Dave Ulrich, a previous guest on the show. Uh, a big, we're a big fan of Mr. Ulrich, and so um, his question, Dave being Dave, um, was actually that he had two questions. Uh, so the first one is, uh, what gives you the most confidence about the future role of HR? in delivering value? Yeah, it's a good, good, good question. You'd expect Dave, it's sort of one I tried to ask him when we interviewed him back in New York about a year or so ago. Can you remember his answer? That's the question. Can you just yeah, repeat that? Yeah. He'll be much better than mine. But I think I, I, what gives me confidence is I think there is a recognition that from CEOs and, and, and other people on the C-suite that HR or certainly people are important. People ultimately are what deliver value to the business. So that possibly increases the expectation on HR, but I think fortunately because of um, because of rapidly advancing technology, because of data and analytics, uh, because of employees demanding a similar experience at work so that they get as consumers, I think that HR has already moved a long way. Um, you know, not all HR functions, but a lot of HR functions have moved a long way towards being more c- customer centric if we think that the customer is the employee um so i think the people there's been an influx of skills into um into hr design thinking backgrounds user experience not just analytics as well and i think and really good technologies coming in as well so yeah i think that is that is that that does fill me with confidence and we've had some of those leaders on the show i mean there are some amazingly great chros out there Tanush at Standard Chartered, Lena Nair at Unilever, Diane Gerson at IBM, just to name three, Kathleen Hogan at Microsoft, to name a fourth. You know, some amazing CHROs out there who not necessarily, some of them have, but not not all of them have come from having long careers in HR. Um, So I think we're attracting a lot of people into HR that haven't worked in HR before as well, and that's helping the function, uh, particularly when you combine them, those that, that have been in the space for a while. So I think... The focus on HR, so it's not just CEOs. I mean, I don't know about what you think, but when I read Harvard Business Review now, it almost is like an HR and leadership magazine. It's that's what it seems most of it's about, which again tells you what the CEOs are are kind of thinking. And the, the crisis has brought a, quite a lot of this to the fore. I mean, we're seeing with the companies that we're working with that the brilliant work that's going on around leadership, empathetic leadership, around culture, around the use of people data. Uh, and the focus on employee wellness, you know, all of these kind of sit in HR's wheelhouse, you know, and, you know, the economists, I think, liken the role of the CHRO in the crisis to that of the CFO in the global financial crisis. And that that, that kind of gives you, 
an indication of the importance that's being placed on HR. And I think in many cases, uh, HR is fulfilling that expectation. Uh, and that those expectations are only going to increase, I think, with the fourth industrial revolution, you know, and, but the best companies need good HR leaders to survive and thrive. So I think ultimately, you know, the, I'm, I'm confident about the future of HR. Yeah, no, you've painted a, a good, optimistic, confident picture there. So then the flip side of that, uh, as the following question from Dave is, however, what gives you, you know, the most concern? I think, let's be honest, there's still some leaders holding back the profession, um, you know, and even when they, they some of those organisations have an abundance of talent lower down in the ranks, we almost need to find a way to clear out some of the people at the top. Um <laughs> So, you know, I won't come up with ways on which we can do that. But I do think that, you know, there's still this kind of HR as a control function, control and command. And I, it should be an enabling function, really, in my view. I think it should be a function that helps enable people to be the best they can at work. Uh, and it should be a function that gives insights to the business to help the business be as successful as it possibly can be. And I don't think you know, clearly not all, all HR functions are, are doing that at the moment. Uh, and I think the other thing that probably gives me concern is probably around the whole ethics piece. Um, I read a piece in the, in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago um, about a piece of technology that enables people to track what their employees are doing on their screens at any time or any breaks they go on and stuff like that. It wasn't being used in any organization as such, but you can see that there are people creating technologies that could be used for not the best purposes by by companies. Um, so there is a little bit of a fear that with COVID-19 and some of the more, let's call it creepy technologies that are out there, that they could be misused by people. So I think there's a, there is that concern around ethics. I've got less of a concern, to be honest, about people in our field, in people analytics. I've got more a concern about people imposing some of those uh, technologies on and, and practices on, on HR and HR not being strong enough to resist um to do them so so yeah those are probably the the two main concerns um but i'm an optimist and i think that i think that the, the better hr people will um uh, grow in a, into a much bigger group than the, and, and 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 the and the less the less good ones will dwindle away yeah absolutely i agree i agree well and that's a nice segue i think on the the technology front um i don't think it would be fair to let you get away uh, without having to answer one of the questions that we're asking everyone that comes on the show at the moment around AI and automation. So specifically, do you see them as an opportunity or a, a threat to HR? Well, it could be both. And I guess that that depends on, on the HR function that you happen to be working in. So, you know, I think it's almost like HR is a little bit of a crossroads and, you know, and whether the function is boosted or, or diminished by AI and automation probably depends on the path it takes. So where a leadership team, HR leadership team embraces the possibilities, you can see automation, you know, of rudimentary and routine tasks leading to a faster, more efficient and better user experience um, and more human centered for that matter. And you, and in parallel, it's fairly easy to envisage that by taking that human centered approach and harnessing analytics, agile methodologies and digital technologies, HR can lead the way in designing a better and more highly a highly personalized employee experience you can and you we're seeing that happening in organizations already you know and i think if that is the direction that 
H an HR function takes an a or CHRO takes and the HR is clearly going to add more value to the organization. It's going to improve its profile. It's going to play a leading role in the future direction that the company takes and ultimately help the company be more successful. You know, and I guess in companies like these, McKinsey's vision of the G3 of the CHRO, the CFO and the CEO kind of running the company together. You can see that happening. And I think that will happen. And it is happening in, in, in a number of organizations already. The other road is probably much less palatable for HR uh, and may lead to a severely shrunken, purely administrative and frankly irrelevant function. Um, you know, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I don't believe it will. I think, you know, I think, you know, I said people analytics is a highly collaborative, um, you know, kind of field. And I, I think the same is with HR, actually, at the end of the day as well. And, you know, people will see what the likes of Diane is doing at IBM, what Lena's doing at Unilever, what Tanosh is doing at Standard Chartered. Uh, and they'll want to emulate that within their organizations as well. Of course, it's good to learn from what other organizations are doing. You need to make that relevant within your own organization. And ultimately, you know, I'm sure if you ask most people in HR whether they want to be doing boring, rudimentary work, the answer will be no. And if we can use technology to automate that um, and at the same time help make HR more strategic and, and, and more value adding to the organization. And then, as I said, an enabler of employee experience and culture, then, you know, that's got to be a good thing. That's that's where I think HR is, is going. So I'm, I think overall, it's more of an opportunity than a threat. Excellent. And putting you on a spot a little bit, but with like those examples of IBM and Unilever and things like, what is it that you've seen companies like that that are, that are doing this well, where it is turning out to be a real opportunity? Like kind of what is it that you've, you feel that they're doing well about it? And what's the impact been on the HR department? Well, I think, again, I'm, I'm sorry, I used to work at IBM and, you know, we, we've interviewed Lena on the show and you clearly, you know, a great leader. I think is important. I think a leader that has impact at the board at the board level. I think that those are important, and then a clear vision. You know, it's it's. Um, I think they 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 basically put the employee at the heart of everything that they do. You know, whether that's um, giving people information. You know, so if we're collecting data on on people, why don't we give the individual benefit from that by giving them insights about maybe their own behaviors or, or, or work-life balance and, and giving them insights that help improve them as, as, as people um, and make, make them healthier effectively. I think that's, that's certainly some of the stuff that was happening at IBM or is happening at IBM. Um, I think personalizing employee experience, I think personalizing onboarding, personalizing learning. I think these are all things that, that, that employees crave uh, and as things that IBM and Unilever are doing in, in, in abundance. Um, but having that kind of strong underlying um, concept of, of ethics and doing the right thing. So, yeah. And, and at the same time, doing all these great things for employees, but providing value to the business as well. Because ultimately, there's enough research out there that tells you if you look after your employees, they'll look after your customers and your customers will look after your shareholders and your profits. So, you know, there's enough, it's just taking a slightly more human-centered approach. Excellent. Well, we are reaching nearly the end uh, of this podcast. The time has, has just flown by for me. I'm guessing maybe not so much for you. I don't know how, uh, how comfortable you felt uh, actually having to answer the questions for once. But um, I, I just want to take a quick second to thank all of the listeners um, that have listened across the last year and then also specifically for providing all of these questions that, that put you in the, the hot seat for once. It's been a, 
a pleasure asking the questions on, on behalf of our listeners. Um, David, just in case for some incredible reason people don't know how to keep in touch with you or to follow the amazing things that you do, could you just remind them how they can uh, find you on, on LinkedIn and Twitter and other channels? Of course. And, and, and again, thank you to the listeners for, for actually taking the time to submit some questions. I'm slightly disappointed there was none about Liverpool Football Club. but Oh, uh, yeah, they, they fell off, unfortunately. There were so many. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was your editing, probably. But yeah, but yeah you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, David Green. There's a lots of David Greens on there, but probably none with a quiff as big as mine. Um, and then on Twitter, it's at David underscore green underscore UK. And you can also find all my content on my HR, on the MyHR Future blog. And um, yeah, so those are those are the best ways to to contact me. Excellent. Well, David, it's been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest on your own show. Uh, thank you very much for uh, playing along. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best. Thank you, Ian. And if we get to two years... Trust me, you'll be in the hot seat. <laughs> I'm busy that day. I'm busy. All right. Thanks, David. Cheers, Ian. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe via your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out the My HR Future Academy at myhrfuture.com. It's a learning experience platform for HR professionals looking to get certified in people analytics, digital HR and workforce planning. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter by going to the My HR Future website. That's all for this episode and indeed this series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. We'll be back after a short break with Series 9. So until then, stay safe, stay well and I'll see you next time.